Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Well, uh, welcome again. Uh, at this point, we, uh, our custom is to introduce uh, ourselves as we go around the room, and then I will introduce the speaker, and then after that, of course, we will have uh, uh, a half hour social uh, outside this room. So let me start with myself. Say a few uh, more things about uh, the dog. Uh, Von Koss is his last name. He's, uh, of course, a uh, uh, frequent attendee, member of the Sangha. Um, he's an artist, the artistic director of the NOAA Project, a men's ritual performance group in the San Francisco Bay Area. Through a magical blend of chant, movement, poetry, and ritual, uh, Doug weaves a spell that encompasses the ecstatic, the sacred, and the white pool. <laughs> he draws from many of the world's religious traditions, Buddhist, Hindu, Islamic, Zoroastrian, Christian, Jewish, and Sufi, to create a glorious mosaic that is, above all else, a celebration of the human spirit. So, welcome back, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is different than passing the Dharma ball. <laughs> <laughs> So once again, guys, I'm honored to, to be here. Um, when I first walked in the room and sat down, I reflected upon all of the, the wise men and women over time who have sat here and offered up great teachings. Um, I don't have that. <laughs> I'm just a guy. Um, but I do carry a lot of wisdom from poets. Uh, poets and their poetry that have influenced my life have been very meaningful to me. So in this mix this morning, I could not, it's National Poetry Month, right? So we're gonna have some poetry. Um, I was here the last 10 years, uh, 10, <laughs> 10 years ago, uh, 10 months ago, and uh, I kept careful track of what poems I did then, and they are not in this mix today. Uh, that time was mostly ecstatic poetry. These uh, are loaded with uh, 
of mystery and wisdom and compassion and passion and humor and nourishment and so on. And I don't know what the first poem will be and I don't know what the last poem will be. If something puzzles you along the line, you want to talk about it, we can do that. Um, so, unless you bring the poem up, it won't happen in the room. And I don't think we can get through all of them, but uh, there's a certain synchronicity sometimes of who gets what poem. So, who wants to start? Who's got a poem? Clint. About Mary Oliver, The Journey. Mary Oliver, The Journey. She says, one day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles, men my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop, you knew what you had to do, Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough and a wild night, the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, and the stars began to break through the sheets of clouds, there was a new voice that you slowly recognized as your own, which kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Sophia de Mello Brenner, Portuguese poet, died maybe nine years ago. Sophia says, this is perfect for this room. She says, I'm listening, but I don't know if what I hear is silence or God. I'm listening, but I can't tell. If I hear the plane of emptiness echoing, or a keen consciousness that at the ends of the universe deciphers and watches me, I only know that I walked like someone who is beheld, beloved, and known. And because of this, I put into my every movement solemnity and risk. What's the name of that poem? I'm listening. Yes, sir. Antonio Machado, I have walked along many roads. Again, perfect for this room. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them may not be. Antonio Machado, Spanish poet. There are a few of his in this mix today. 
He says, I have walked along many roads and open paths through brush. I've sailed on a hundred seas and tied up on a hundred shores. And everywhere I've gone, I've seen angry and melancholy drunkards <laughs> with black shadows and academics in their offstage clothes who look and say nothing and think they know because they don't drink wine in ordinary bars. <laughs> Evil men who walk about polluting the earth. And everywhere I've gone, says Machado, I've seen men who laugh and dance when they can and work the few inches of ground around them. When they show up somewhere, they never ask where they are. When they take a trip, they ride on the backs of old mules. They drink wine if there is some, if not cool water. These men are the good ones who love and work and walk and dream. And on a day no different than any other, they lie down beneath the earth. Antonio Machado. How are we doing, okay? Great. Yes, sir. Uh, D.H. Lawrence, Whales Week Yacht. Oh my God, really? <laughs> <laughs> this is a huge poem. It's, it's hardly, well, well, maybe we'll fit in this room. <clears throat> Everything is in this poem. It's a whale of a poem. It is, it is, Tom. They say the sea is cold, but the sea contains the hottest blood of all. All the whales on the wider deep, hot are they, as they urge on and on and dive beneath the icebergs. The right whales, the sperm whales, the hammerheads, the killers, there they blow, there they blow hot, wild, white breath out of the sea, and they rock, and they rock through the ageless ages on the depths of the seven seas, and through the salt they reel with drunk delight, and in the tropics tremble they with love, and roll with massive strong desires like gods. And the great bull lies up against his bride in the blue deep bed of the sea, as mountain pressing on mountain in the zest of life. And out of the inner red roaring of the inner red blood of ocean blood, the long tip reaches, strong, intense, like the maelstrom tip, and comes to rest in the clasp and the soft, wild clutch of the she-whale's fathomless body. And across the bridge of the whale's strong phalus, linking the wonder of whales, burning archangels of bliss, keep passing back and forth, back and 
forth from him to her, from her to him, great cherubim that wait on whales, suspended in the ways of the sea, great heaven of whales in the water, old hierarchies, and enormous mother whales lie dreaming, suckling their whale-tender young, dreaming with their strange whale eyes wide open in the water of the beginning and the end. And the great bulls gather their wives and whale calves in a circle when danger threatens on the surface of the ceaseless flood and range themselves like great seraphim surrounding their huddled monsters of love. And all this happens in the sea, in the salt, where God is also love, but without words. And Aphrodite among the fishes skips and is a she-dolphin. She is the gay, delighted porpoise sporting with love in the males. She is the female tuny fish, round and happy, full of dark, dense blood, dark rainbow bliss under the sea. <laughs> yes. On the Lord Hemings, I am not I. Yes. He says, I am not I. I am this one walking beside me, whom at times I manage to visit, and whom at other times I forget. The one who forgives sweet when I hate. The one who takes a walk when I'm indoors. The one who remains silent when I speak. The one who will remain standing when I die. I am not I. I am this one walking beside me, whom at times I manage to visit and at other times I forget. Think in ways you've never thought before. Yeah. I'm glad that's in the mix. Um, yes. <clears throat> Robert Bly says, think in ways you've never thought before. When the phone rings, think it's carrying a message larger than anything you've ever heard. <laughs> Faster than a hundred lines of Yeats. <laughs> Think that someone is about to bring a bear to your door, <laughs> perhaps wounded and deranged. Think that a moose has risen out of the lake and is carrying in his antlers a child of your own whom you have never known. 
when someone comes to your door, think they're about to give you something large, tell you you're forgiven. Or that it's been decided that you don't have to work all the time. <laughs> or if you lie down, no one will die. Robert Bly. Joe. Morris Bishop, Phaeton, Apollo Production. We've got all kinds of. I love it doing poetry. You don't even have to explain it, just do it. And, and some of these images, fellas, will catch you and you'll lose the rest of the poem and don't worry about it. Just stay with the image. That's cool. So this is Phaeton. <clears throat> Apollo. Apollo through the heavens rode in glittering gold attire. His car was bright with chrysolite and his horses snorted fire. He held them to their frantic course across the blazing sky. His darling son was Phaeton, who begged to have a try. Well, the chargers are ambrosia-fed. They barely broke control. Why, beware on high the crab and the bear, the serpent round the pole. Against the archer and the bear, with thy form is all on steel. But Phaeton could lay it on, and Apollo had to yield. So, out of the purple doors of dawn, Phaeton led the horses. They felt his hand could not command, and they left their wonted courses. And out of the chariot, Phaeton plunged like a falling star. And so, my boy, no, no, my boy, you cannot have the car. <laughs> I wish I had known that when my son was a teenager. <laughs> okay, Jerry, what do you have? Uh, this is not the age, David White. Yeah, this is a small, teeny one. This is not the age of information. This is not the age of information. Forget the news, the radio, and the blurred screen. This is the time of loaves and fishes. People are hungry, and one good word is bread for a thousand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Call and response. This is not the age of information. 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 Forget the news. Forget the news. The radio. The radio. The blurred screen. The blurred screen. This is the time of loaves and fishes. This is the time of loaves and fishes. People are hungry. People are hungry. And one good word. And one good word. Is bread for a thousand. Is bread for a thousand. I think that's true. Yes, sir. Real quick, you want, I, pardon me, you see I want a lot. Yeah, yeah. What is the human condition? <clears throat> Rilke, he says, you see, I want a lot. Perhaps I want everything. 
the darkness that comes with every infinite fall and the shimmering blaze of every step up. So many live on and want nothing and are elevated to the rank of prince by the slippery ease of their light judgments. But what you love to see are faces that no work and no thirst. And you love most of all those who need you, like a rake or a hoe. You've not grown old, and it's not too late to dive into your increasing depths, where life calmly hands over its own secrets. Oh, mysterious, huh? You've not grown old, and it's not too late to dive into your increasing depths, into your increasing depths, where life calmly hands over its own secrets. <coughs> Yes. Tom Hansen, jump rope rhymer. A jump rope rhyme. Uh, the, the key phrase is, uh, the title is Tatvam Asi. Tatvam Asi. Thou art that. It's from the Sanskrit. Thou art that. And this is a rhyming poem, a jump rope rhyme. Here we go. <clears throat> Tatvam Asi. Thou art that, that leaf, that tree, that cow, that cat, that cloud, that sky, that moon, that sun, that you, that I, for all are one. So here we are, and there we go, and who we were, we hardly know. I think this I is only me, a drip, a drop, but not the sea. Yet when I wake from all these dreams, then like a snake, I'll shed what seems this mask, this skin, this ball and chain, and I'll begin to fall like rain. The heart's last home, the wind whipped foam, the sweet deep sea, Tatavan Asi. It's all there, isn't it? I have to ask again, how are we doing? Okay? <laughs> Overload? No. Uh, okay. More. More. I don't have a poem by more. <laughs> <laughs> Not Rob, yet. Not Rob, yet. What do you have? Sweetie, love comes quietly. Oh, this is the sweetest love poem in, in the, certainly in the Americas, certainly. Love comes quietly. Finally drops around me, on me, in the old way. What did I know, thinking myself, able to go alone all the way? Again. Love comes quietly, finally drops around me, on me, 
in the old way. What did I know? Thinking myself able to go alone all the way. Hmm. Yes. Uh, my opponent called Doug Van Cross. <laughs> <laughs> Nick kissed me. <laughs> okay, there are two poems in the mix that I have not memorized. They're both of them are airport poems. <laughs> you know, what do you do when you're in the airport? <clears throat> this is called Kissing Nick Goodbye. I threw it in for the next for you guys. <laughs> it could have happened anywhere, like at his home in New York City, or my home in San Francisco, or in a park beneath a tree. Okay, Doug, stop this poem right here. Tell it like it was. Nick of the black tangling hair, curling mustache, in the D'Artagnan boots. Nick of the high cheekbones flushed a desert rose, his left wrist wrapped with a pink bandana, his pants rolled and cuffed above the boots. Yes, he could have been a pirate or a musketeer. Nick, a handsome, radiant, glowing youth, exuding a fragrance from the streets of old Cathars. Nick, uh, he kissed me. Well, I kissed him back, but he started it. A long, hot, take-no-prisoners kiss. <laughs> a Zeus meets Ganymede moment in the, in the ever-so-romantic Portland, Maine airport. <laughs> it was a drive-by love bomb. <laughs> what could we do? What would you do while standing at gate number two in a maddening crowd of travelers? We kissed. Then he kissed me, one for the road. Then one last kiss, so we would both know what to do when a love bomb explodes. <laughs> a new guy, what do you got? Uh, by William Stafford, a virtual experience to each other. Yeah. A ritual to be read to each other. This off time is a very good thing if you know of a, of a couple who are about to um, seal the deal. A ritual to be read to each other. That's also great in men's groups, in communities. A ritual to be read to each other. If you don't know the kind of person I am, and I don't know the kind you are, a pattern that others made may prevail in the world. And following the wrong God home, we may miss our star. For there's many a small betrayal in the mind, a shrug that lets the fragile sequence break, sending with shouts the horrible errors of childhood storming out to play through the broken dike and as elephants parade, holding each elephant's tail. But if one wanders, the circus won't find the park. And I call it cruel, and perhaps the root of all cruelty, to know what occurs and not recognize the fact. So I appeal to a voice 
to something shadowy, a remote, important region in all who talk. Though we could fool each other, we should be clear, lest the path of our mutual life get lost in the dark. For it's important that awake people be awake or a breaking line discourage them back to sleep. The signals we give, yes or no, or maybe, should be clear. The darkness around us is deep. You could build a weekend around that poem. It's all there. Family secrets, you know, the elephant in the room, recognize, you know, what occurs and not say it out loud. Just a shrug. Woohoo, good. What do you got? On hearing a poem recited, not read, Christine Walker. Yeah, this is a curious thing. Uh, Christine Walker, who I've yet to meet, she lives up in Sebastopol. She went to an evening much like this where spoken word poetry was done. She'd never been to anything like it. And she went home and she wrote this. I'm hearing a poem recited, not read. She said, the poem flew at me. Little darts pricking my skin, piercing my belly, my arms, my eyes, flew at me on swift black wings, trailing a smoky blur past my ears, flew all around me, furious, then curiously quiet. No words sounded like words read from a page. They had been lifted. Last night, last year, flipped up, word by word, letter by letter, let fall on the tongue, dissolving like melting snowflakes, trickling down through the heart, into the belly, the fingertips, the toes, brought back through the blood, through the brain, down the throat, into the cheeks, spit out little darts of words, great wings of words, charging the air around me. There were no words, only language. Tongue moved by muscle and blood. The poem entered me and exited, leaving me with little points of pain and soft feathery touches on my skin and hair, leaving me empty of words. <coughs> Damn fine, Paul. <laughs> Michael, what do you have? A description on a Norman crucifix. I am the great son. Um, I first heard this years ago by Ram Das. This is in the oral tradition. I don't know where it comes from. Called it an inscription on a Norman crucifix 
found in 1632. I am the great sun, but you do not see me. I am your husband, but you turn away. I am the captive, but you do not free me. I am the captain, you will not obey. I am the truth, but you do not believe me. I am that city where you will not stay. I am your wife, your child, but you will leave me. I am that God to whom you will not pray. I am your consul, but you do not hear me. I am the holy dove that you will slay. I am your life, but if you will not name me, seal up your soul with tears and do not blame me. <laughs> Somewhere, every time that poem comes up for me, there's one thing in there where bells go off for me and say, Doug, you haven't been paying attention here. <laughs> really, really. And it changes. It's a movable feast or a movable disaster. <laughs> yes? Uh, Charles Simic, Go Inside a Stone. God, I love this poem. It's almost up there with the whale poem. <laughs> He says, go inside a stone. Hmm? Go inside a stone. Go inside a stone. That would be my way. Let someone else become a dove or gnash with a tiger's tooth. I'm happy to be a stone. On the outside, the stone is a riddle. No one knows how to answer it. But on the inside, it must be cool and quiet. Even though a cow steps on it, full weight. Even though a child throws it in the river, the stone sinks slow to the river bottom where the fishes come to knock on it and listen. I've seen sparks fly out when two stones are rubbed. So perhaps it's not dark inside after all. Perhaps there is a moon shining from somewhere, as though behind a hill, just enough light to make out the strange writings, the star charts on the inner walls. Yes, sir. Uh, Inuit people measured words. Yeah. The North Coast, the, the Inuits. It's like a story poem. God, I love this one, too. This whole morning has been about language, too. It's called Magic Words. In the very earliest times, when both people 
and animals lived on this earth, a person could become an animal if he wanted to. And an animal could become a human being. Sometimes they were people and sometimes animals. And it made no difference. Both spoke the same language. That was the time when words were like magic and the human mind had mysterious powers. A word spoken by chance might come suddenly alive. And what one wanted to happen could happen. All you had to do was say it. No one can explain this. That's the way it was. Want that one again? No. Yes. I have five heads nodding. Yes. Magic words in the very earliest times. There's some wonderful things there. In the very earliest times, in the very earliest time when both people and animals lived on this earth, a person could become an animal if he wanted to. And an animal could become a human being. Sometimes they were people and sometimes animals. And it made no difference. Both spoke the same language. That was a time when words were like magic and the human mind had mysterious powers. A word spoken by chance might come suddenly alive. And what one wanted to happen could happen. All you had to do was say it. No one can explain this. That's the way it was. Yes, sir. Um, a story that could be true um, if you were exchanged for this chapter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I encounter the field that this poem occurs in often. I've, I've been teaching for years at the Redwood Men's Center at their annual gathering and then a Minnesota Men's Conference. And oftentimes this comes up. <clears throat> the poem goes, if you were exchanged in the cradle and your real mother died and your father is lost somewhere and needs you, then no one knows your name. Excuse me, I've just messed it up. First time this morning I'm entitled, okay? <laughs> if you were exchanged in the cradle and your real mother died and somewhere your father's lost and needs you. Then no one knows your name. No, I'm dropping a line. I'll come back to it. Okay? It's too good to mess up. <laughs> no harm. I work in a perfection free zone. <laughs> but you need to know that the poems up until this moment have been bang on. <laughs> 
No, I really, I, I honor the poets. I know how difficult it is to get the right word in the right place, exactly the nuance. So, let's get another <coughs> Oh. Hi. Um, Antonio Machado, is my soul asleep? Yeah, yeah. He says, is my soul asleep? Have the beehives that labor at night stopped? And the water wheel of thought, is it wheeling now, its cups empty, turning, carrying nothing but shadows? No, my soul is not asleep. It is awake, wide awake. It neither sleeps nor dreams, but watches its clear eyes wide open, things far off, and listens at the shore of the great silence. No, my soul is not asleep. I do. Do you want to read your up? I do. <laughs> I told you the airport poems. <clears throat> this is called the Chicken Little International Airport. <laughs> Your mindful attention, please, in Terminal 1. This is an, oh my God, the sky is falling alert. <laughs> if the sky falls, of course, all flights will be permanently delayed. <laughs> this facility and our precious sky is now at Mandarin Orange, rapidly heading to Vermilion. We at airport security are hopeful for a return to Mother Teresa Blue with perhaps just a touch of Mahatma Gandhi white. Please turn off all electronic devices, Toshibas, Nokias, Sonys, Blackberries, iPads, iPhones, and ay ay ay. Technology <laughs> will not save us. With this announcement, all meditators in all terminals throughout California are being activated. <laughs> this is not a test. If it were a test, we would activate Fairfield, Iowa, or Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> Homeland Security has requested all those who meditate, particularly the transcendentalists, to proceed to their boarding gate and return to their spiritual practice. If you have forgotten your mantra, no shame, proceed to a white courtesy telephone. <laughs> Speak clearly into the phone, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda, Taknath Han, Shakyamuni Buddha, or Jai Guru Dev. A temporary mantra will be issued to you <laughs> on a need-to-know basis. Do not share it. Your mantra may be dangerous to others. You who meditate, this is the moment you have waited for and quietly questioned. Can a calm and centered community really hold up things that are falling around them? What if this stuff doesn't work as advertised? 
We'll have the answer soon as you take to the unfriendly skies. <laughs> Once you begin again, do not stop. Your practice must continue throughout the boarding process and for the duration of your flight in this life. You can do this. You know you can. Hold up our sky, yours and mine. Forget your perfect posture or the cushion you left at home. Remember Gandhi White. Remember Mother Teresa Blue. All together now, three deep breaths. Inhale Los Angeles. Exhale Yellowstone. <laughs> Inhale the Gulf of Mexico. Exhale Lake Tahoe. Have a nice day. Namaste. <laughs> That's in case I take myself too serious. <laughs> okay. Anybody got something in front of me? By Rumi, uh, today, like every other day. Yeah, yeah. Rumi says, today, like every other day, I wake, em I wake up empty and frightened. He says, don't open the door to your study and begin reading. Take down the dulcimer. Let the beauty you love be what you do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. I'll expand. Today, like every other day, you wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to your study and begin reading, you know, the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Torah. You know. Take down the dulcimer. Take down a musical instrument. Take down your gardening tools. Take down your carpentry tools. Ah. Let the beauty you love be what you do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. One more. Going once. Okay. By John Fox, when someone deeply listens to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. The last poem. John Fox. John, and because this is perfect, this is perfect. You guys have been deeply, deeply listening to these words. And it's been a true gift to me, and by extension, a gift to each one of you. Thank you. He says, when someone deeply listens to you, it's like holding out a dented cup you've had since childhood and watching it fill up with cool, clear water. When it balances on the lip of the brim, you're understood. When it overflows and touches your skin, you are loved. When someone deeply listens to you, the room where you stay starts a new life. And the place where you wrote your first poem begins to glow in the mind's eye. When someone deeply listens to you, 
Your bare feet are on the earth and a beloved land that once seemed distant is now at home again in your heart when someone deeply listens to you. Shall we circle the wagons? Yeah, yes, uh, any time now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm done, I'm done. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank, thanks again. It's uh, wonderful. Uh, you know, I, I just need to make a comment about uh, the poem about uh, when poem is uh, recited, yes. not uh, not read. Yeah. Uh, personally, uh, you know, poetry to me, especially since English is not my native language, has been mostly uh, a reading experience, mm. and uh, it's so wonderful to to see it come alive and multidimensional. Yeah. So thank you, thank you for that. Uh, so yeah, we have. Do we have any uh, announcements? Uh, yeah. Oh, just thank you so much for such a, a wonderful hour. And so much, thank you. I just like to mention that uh, this is Earth Day. Days. I guess the official day is Monday that people are celebrating. I was over at Spirit Rock yesterday, and uh, if any. If if you have not been there, uh, it's just a glorious place to visit. And I brought a bunch of programs and schedules uh, for treats, and they have day programs for Saturdays, Sundays, and Sunday evenings. And feel free to take any of those uh, brochures, and I really recommend it. It's a beautiful place. It's very close, and <coughs> it's uh, our kind of folks over there. Uh, also, I'd like to uh, invite you in three weeks from today I'm doing a little talk and I'm going to be showing a slide presentation and movie sort of combo here of my uh, uh, recent travels to uh, India and uh, South Asia. And there will be uh, mostly images, and uh, so I welcome you there. And also there's a preview on the, this uh, current newsletter that you, it's printed, but also uh, if you Google GBFSF and hit newsletter, there's uh, some uh, uh, images in really not beautiful color came out really very well of uh, the Bodhi tree. And uh, but on, on three <coughs> today, I'll be showing the Bodhi tree visits and Sarnath, uh, Buddha's important uh, places, other sacred places, as well as the Gay Pride Parade in Bangalore, South India, and World AIDS Day, and uh, some Buddhist temples in Cambodia and Vietnam. Just all kinds of really neat things. So put it on the calendar for Mother's Day. Any other announcements? Um, uh, Annie, the Laughter Diva, and I are going to do a reprise of our workshop, Lightening Up About Growing Older. Uh, we did the first one uh, last year, it was, or early this year, it was a lot of fun. Way to look at um, aging, uh, either our own aging or people that we love their aging, uh, through a lens of humor and deep compassion. And uh, we're going to be uh, holding it on Saturday, May 11th. Please stick with me if you're interested. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Cage and I'm the host. Uh, welcome to any newcomers today. We have, uh, after we uh, adjourn here, we have a, a tea and treat uh, hour or so, and uh, there's some treats on the table and there's some hot water for tea. If you uh, use a mug, just please wash it out in the sink. There's a container of hot, silky water. Um, put your mug in the rack. Um, I'll be going around with the Donna Bowl. The suggested donation contribution today is $500. There's a uh, sign-up sheet on the credenza if you're interested in receiving our newsletter. Um, you can sign up there. There's a group of people that go out to lunch, typically around 12.30, and they assemble at the door if you're interested in joining them or going to find them. So if you live in the East Bay and you want to come, that'd be great. That would be good if you could. <coughs> I'll just put the basket on. Why put the basket on the good answer? That's good. And don't put money in that one. Put the money <laughs> <in> that one. <laughs> So it's time for the dedication of merit. And Doug, would you, uh, no. it strikes me that you can be, uh, uh, if, if you choose, otherwise I'll be happy to read it. Please, uh, please you read it. Please you read it. <laughs> By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity without too much attachment or too much aversion, believing in the equality of all that lives. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.